Coming up this week on Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast, it was one of the busiest weeks in Tesla history with Tesla's big Q3 financial results, Consumer Reports' latest recommendations on the SNX, Tesla's new solar products, and much more. What's happening, friends? Welcome to Ride the Lightning. It is the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast for October 30th, 2016. My name is Ryan McCaffrey with a uh, very relaxed Maggie the Boxer as usual. Thank you so much for joining me wherever and whenever you are listening. Uh, as, you prob- as you already know from looking at the uh, file of this week's episode, it's probably one of, if not the longest episodes ever. I don't know yet because I'm still sitting here just starting to record it. But my goodness, is there so much to get through this week. Uh, I sat in on, well, I I sat and listened to two Tesla presentations this week, recording them and taking notes as uh, Maggie the Boxer chugs chugs some water in the background there. Uh, There was Consumer Reports, had some Tesla... uh, status updates this week on on their side uh there was and then of course yeah the the well, the second event the, the big solar city tesla product unveil plus you know i skipped the phone calls last week which in hindsight i'm kind of happy i did because it ended up being over an hour show just going through all of elon's comments and just analyzing the self-driving hardware stuff hardware too but uh as a result, not only were there a bunch of good phone calls from last week that I didn't get to, but you all kindly responded to my call to call in, and there were over two dozen phone calls, and almost every single one of them is excellent. That's what I've said that before. You guys don't, fortunately, you don't call and waste my time or your time. There are good calls with that make good points, ask good questions, so I... I including as many as I can this week, but I just couldn't, I couldn't fit them all, but I couldn't throw them away. So uh, needless to say, so next weekend, next weekend is when I'm going to be recording the next monthly Patreon exclusive bonus episode. A lot of these excess calls are going to go in there because that's just the next best place I have for them. I don't want them to go to waste. I don't want them to just go for naught. Uh, So we've got like 10 excellent Ride the Lightning hotline calls coming up later in the show towards the end. So I just wanted to warn you of that up front so that when we get there, if the show's already been really darn long from uh, the Q3 results and Elon's comments on that call and the and all the other things we're going to cover, f- you know, feel, you, feel free to stop the show or just maybe come back to it another time. This is almost certainly going to be a very long episode. So I kind of apologize for that just because again I, I value your time i respect your time so much um oh maggie's playing with her her little star wars thing he says right gets us sidetracked right as he says he respects your time <laughs> but uh anyway just wanted to warn you up front that it's going to be a big one this week but i'm really i put in a lot of legwork on this week a lot of good research i think it's going to be a good episode let's not waste any more time and let's get started so the biggest news of the week, of a huge Tesla week, as I said at the top, this might have been the busiest Tesla week by way of just things going on, 
But the biggest one of them all was the Q3 results for Tesla. And guess what? Elon and the Tesla team did it. They achieved profitability, ending up $22 million in the black. Here is Elon Musk on the conference call to, uh, to sort of announce it. All right, thank you. Uh, my comments will be brief because I think it's really uh, what I would have to say is captured in the earnings letter. Um, but the, the, obviously the, the, the main thing is that we're able to have our best quarter ever, um, achieve uh, full gap, uh, gap profitability, um, and, um, and, and moreover, um, I think we are headed to have a, a great uh, fourth quarter as well. Um, one of the um, you know, uh, criticisms I've seen out there is that, that uh, perhaps uh, Q3 was made at the expense of Q4. This is not, this is not true. Um, and uh, you know, we, we currently believe that uh, Q4 will be profitable, excluding uh, non-cash stock-based expenses. I think there's actually a chance that we will be there's a chance that we'll be profitable, even including stock and non-cash stock stock-based expenses. This is just a chance. I would it's not a, a promise, but I, I think we've got a shot at actually being profitable, even taking stock-based expenses into account. Um, so, so it's very exciting, um, and I think uh, I'm very proud of the Tesla team for executing so well um, on on Q3 and going into Q. Going to Q4 and beyond. Uh, so, yeah, it's been great. Uh, definitely one of the best moments uh, ever in Tesla, I think. So, some notes from the shareholder letter, which I read through. Uh, and that's first up in Q3, combined net orders for new Model S and Model X vehicles grew by 68% over uh, year over year, over Q3 last year. Record production levels in Q3, 25,185 vehicles produced, which is a 37% increase from Q2 and a 92% increase year over year, so compared to Q3 last year. Total Q3 gap revenue, $2.3 billion, up 145% year over year, while total Q3 gross margin, 27.7% compared to 21.6% in Q2. So they're making more money uh, on the cars, on each car. Now, for Model 3, Tesla announces, we have completed production line layouts and will soon begin installation of new body welding and final assembly lines. We've established a world-class team of suppliers for Model 3 production equipment and components and critical long lead time equipment and components have been sourced. We are now testing vehicle systems such as chassis, the high voltage drive system, and low voltage subsystems such as vehicle controllers, HVAC, info, pardon me, infotainment, and lighting. As refinement of the Model 3 continues, we remain on plan for our timing, volume, vehicle capacity, pricing, and margin targets. That is the key takeaway for Model 3 owners there. So the, the, if, I, if you need a translation on that, the translation is basically they haven't fallen behind yet. And I don't say yet with, with you know, uh, derisively or anything else. You know, the Roadster S and X were all late. They were all delayed. 
you know, there is no guarantee that that's not going to happen again. In fact, at one point on the call, Elon reminded everyone we can only move as fast as our slowest supplier. But so far, so far, there's a long way to go, but so far they remain on track, which is fantastic news. Furthermore, from the Q3 conference call, Tesla says that they maintain their guidance of uh, delivering 50,000 new vehicles for the second half of this year with a Q4 plan of just over 25,000 deliveries, Tesla adding, despite the challenges of winter weather and the holiday season, they expect about 30 to 35% of those deliveries to be accounted for as leases for revenue recognition purposes. Uh, And so they did mention that they expect that they may very well, they didn't know guarantees, but they may very well be profitable in Q4 as well, which would obviously just be fantastic ahead of the Model 3 launch in about a year's time or so. Now, we knew ahead of time from the leaked internal letter from Tesla to everybody in the company, Elon wanted to put a, his words, put a pie into the face of Wall Street naysayers uh, of Tesla And really, he did exactly that. I mean, I don't know what more uh, Tesla can do. They they delivered. They're profitable. The trajectory is really good. They're on time with Model 3. However, interestingly, uh, perhaps this is just me speculating uh, out of nowhere. Again, I, I claim I know nothing about investing about Wall Street, but I have to wonder if... Wall Street actually took Elon's comments sort of personally because even though the st- I took a look, the stock traded up about 5%, 5 to 6% or so after hours, which is when the Q3 results were reported. But the next day, the, the uh, stock ended up staying flat with, uh, with certain bears speaking up saying that they expected Tesla's sky to fall any day now. So again, I just don't know what else Tesla can do in the eyes of Wall Street. Now, you know, I as a Tesla customer, I'm not worried about what Wall Street thinks, but obviously they do matter as Tesla is a public company and the, the, for you know in the long term te- Wall Street does matter, like it or not. But, you know, te- I don't know, Tesla's doing everything Wall Street has asked of them. Uh, as, you know, from an investor's perspective, they are making money. They're projected to be profitable again. They've got a you know a Model Three vehicle that has an absurd number of of pre-orders and hype behind it. So I don't know, but anyway, uh, I've got some more here from the Q3 report. In fact, fr- specifically from the conference call, which I uh, did sit in on. Uh, or I or listened to, but you know, I can't even keep them straight. No, I listened. I was sitting on the self-driving hardware one last week. I I wasn't in this one. I, no, I just listened back to it later. My goodness, yeah, I, I really can't keep track of them all. Anyway, the point being that uh, Elon, you know, as he often does, mentions a, a few nuggets of interest. First of all, uh, a, a, an investor, an analyst, rather an analyst, brought up the Tesla network. And Elon had a very interesting response to that uh, in comparing the Tesla network to Uber. Take a quick listen to this. You know, this would be something that would be a significant offset on the cost of ownership of a car. Um, and, and then um, 
a revenue generator for Tesla as well. Obviously, the majority of the economics would go to the owner of the car. Um, you know, sometimes it's been characterized as, you know, Tesla versus Uber or Lyft or something like that. It's, it's not Tesla versus Uber. It's the people versus Uber. So this Tesla network obviously won't be ready until the full powers of hardware 2 are ready, until that level 5 autonomy is set to roll. But I certainly, personally, I would absolutely use the Tesla network instead of Uber every chance I got. Now, I don't personally have a... I use Uber often, actually. I use it uh, personally. I use it professionally. But uh, in cities that I would go to where the Tesla network is available, I would absolutely use it. And it's nothing against Uber. It's simply that uh, not only will I be a Tesla owner, hopefully at that point, but I would just rather be in the safest car in the world, be it uh, a three, an S, or an X. Uh, they, they are, you know, two of them are the safest cars in in the world, and especially in their their respective classes. And the the three projects out. You know, Elon has laid out that same goal for the three. So I would rather be uh, shuttled around in the safest cars on the planet than a Prius or one of the other common Uber cars. Uh, thank you very much. So uh, interesting comment from Elon there on on the Tesla network saying it's not Tesla versus Uber, but the people versus Uber. I don't even quite know what to make of that. But very cool to hear him actually say that the majority of revenue from the Tesla network is going to go to the owners and not to Tesla themselves. That That is good news for those of you who may be uh, looking to the Tesla network to help fund or, or uh, pay for, uh, pay off your cars. Next, uh, Elon stated his priorities at Tesla right now, two of which certainly won't surprise you at all. The third one might a little bit. So I'll let Elon let you, let you in on this. I mean, right now they're like, Three things that I that are top priorities for me. Obviously, uh, Model Three achieving uh, rate at schedule and Model Three uh, rate at schedule and cost and Model Three yeah, is top. Um, then it's uh, advancing the autopilot software, um, autopilot to self-driving software, uh, and then it's the 100 kilowatt hour uh, trying to ramp up the 100 kilowatt hour production rate. Um, I receive daily updates on the 100 kilowatt hour production. Um, after this call, I'm, I'm going to be on the 100 kilowatt hour production line um, because the demand is high, and it's we just need to satisfy that demand. It, 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 okay, it just seems like that almost might be more important as far as profitability and cash flow in the near term than the Model Three. It just because well, well, definitely in the near term. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. It, but but even over even over time. But okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's, no, it's a super big deal. I, seven days a week, I, I get an, up, an update on the on the hundred kilowatt progress on the production ramp for that. I find it a bit interesting that Solar City isn't on his short list, despite the fact that the merger vote is imminent. In fact, it's coming up in what about two and a half, two three weeks or so. So my thought there is maybe he's handing that off to the Solar City executive team. Uh, in fact, I hope he is because we need Elon on Model 3 and on Autonomy, which were the other two things that he cited there, because those are going to be the kingmakers 
for Tesla in the next three to five years. But uh, yeah, interesting to hear him say that the 100 kilowatt hour battery pack uh, has has taken so much of his time and his priority as well. That's uh, I mean, it's it's clearly proven popular early. They say they're a bit production constrained on the P100Ds. Now, I've got a few other tidbits from that Q3 conference call that I wanted to play for you. First up is Elon talking a little trash about what I presume to be the Bolt. He's referring to competitors. Uh, here, well, listen to him say it, and then let's talk about it. Um, the Tesla sometimes criticized for you know, relying on kind of tax credits and that kind of thing. People really misunderstand this. What, what matters is what does Tesla receive relative to its competitors, not to what does Tesla receive in the absolute. Um, the, our, our competitors, you know, maybe worth noting, um, maybe you, you would consider this to be a risk or something that is, a, a, you know, problematic for us. Um, our competitors uh, monetize Zev credits at a hundred cents on the dollar. We monetize them at fifty cents on the dollar where we can get it. Um, that means if you have, uh, let's say, uh, you know, I mean, it depends on the, on the scenario, but uh, if you have, um, you know, let's say three, three ZEV credits uh, for an EV, uh, that, that would essentially be worth $5,000 each, so that would be $15,000. So when, say, GM or somebody sell, sells an EV, they get $15,000. But when Tesla sells an EV, we get half that. It, it, right, not, they have an internal market. It's not we who are being subsidized, but our competitors. So, um, now, just now, to follow up. Now, 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 the interesting thing is that there is a limit to our disadvantage. Because, because the damn credit thing is so weak, it only goes so far. It only applies to certain states. So what you will see the, uh, our competitors do... Is, uh, they, they will limit their production, and they will only sell in ZEV states, or almost entirely in ZEV states. Um, that doesn't scale. Uh, th- that, that will take them to, to maybe 40 or 50,000 units a year, best case, uh, but, not, but, but we're talking about doing 500,000 units a year. Um, and... Uh- which means at high volume, we no longer suffer the disadvantage uh, of, 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 of the credit regime. This is wholly misunderstood. So to me, again, I, he mentions GM. Uh, I, again, ex- assume he's talking about the Bolt there, it's particularly after... Uh, I know Bob Lutz doesn't work for GM anymore, but uh, yeah, particularly after old Bob Lutz opened his trap again. Again, I, I'm not even going to bother putting it on the show because the guy is, you know, there's nothing, uh, there's no valuable discussion or analysis to be had from Bob Lutz's repeated uh, attacks and baseless, you know, misinformed comments on Tesla. Anyway, uh, with regard to this comment, it's to me it says that Elon is clearly not convinced that his competitors are serious about electric cars which when i think about that it you know because the the rah rah tesla fanboys like yeah you know they're not even they they can't even they're not even going to sell cars they don't really care tesla's going to win you know but that's again 
That's not Elon's goal. His mass adoption of EVs in the form of, you know, which is which is basically the, the mission statement of accelerate the, the uh, transition to sustainable transport. That's the entire goal of Elon and of Tesla. So I, I actually think it's kind of sad that Elon has that low of opinion, low of an opinion of other companies making electric vehicles. It's, you know, that it would be, it's too bad he's not more optimistic about it. So that, that kind of, that, that was my takeaway from it. Uh, another Elon quote here, this is, he is absolutely uh, talking some you-know-what about what I presume to be Mobileye here. Uh, this is, I, I mean, I, I presume we're all adults, but I, I do keep this podcast very PG-rated because there's no reason for it to be anything else, but... Uh, if you have any little ones in the car, you might want to fast forward or pause and come back later. Elon does drop a uh, does drop an expletive here, so uh, listen to Elon talk about uh, this. Is him responding to a question about about uh, some self driving hardware stuff? Listen to this. Yeah. Um, first of all, I, I would you know um, you know uh, separate what. Tesla says from, say, uh, some supplier of ours issuing bullshit, okay? Um, the, uh, uh, the blog that I wrote was very clear that uh, radar is moving from a supplemental to also a primary sensor. It's not to the exclusion of vision, but it's also a primary sensor. Um, uh, vision uh, is... is it's still the main thing, um, but radar, instead of merely being like a cross-check against vision, is really, when done well, and we're very confident at this point that it can be done this way, um, uh, can be a primary sensor such that you can take actions based on radar information alone. Um, uh, you can also take actions based on just vision alone. Um, you know, much as a person might take action based on whether you hear something or you see something, but you don't need to both hear it and see it. Um, yeah, so, um, but there's no, no, you know, I would feel high confident that the, the eight camera solution with the 12 ultrasonics and a Ford radar and the computing power that we now have on board is capable of full autonomy um, at a significantly greater than a human. Um, there are obviously skeptics out there. Um, well, I suggest that they uh, do not bet against this. So listen to Elon's tone there, uh, particularly. The, so not only does he drop a, a little expletive on that, but he listen to his tone at the end. He says he warns people that there. It's, he, he very coldly states that there are full self-driving skeptics of Tesla, but he warns not to bet against us. And it's very deadly serious. That's how I interpreted it when I listened to that. Uh, and by the way, he's, you know, the whole don't bet against us thing, isn't that, that's exactly what I've been saying about Elon Musk. That is my whole take on Elon is don't bet against the guy. 
you know, look at his track record. Do not bet against Elon Musk. And this is even Elon saying it, saying, uh, don't bet against us. That's not a good idea. So I thought that was a very interesting comment there. And finally, out of the Q3 uh, conference call, Elon talking about, you know, he was asked point blank, do you have a, an updated figure for how many Model 3 reservations? And Elon, basically, this is him uh, saying that uh, they're actively trying not to stir, steer people away from getting on the 3 list so that they can sell them the cars they are presently making. So take a listen to this. Uh, I mean, we see very strong um, supplier commitments on Model 3. Um, yeah, we, we, we don't see any any deficit in, in supplier commitments there. They're very strong. Every you know, this is the most interesting vehicle program, maybe the most interesting park program in the world. Um, and so, suppliers really want to be part of, of something like this. Um, as for three to the three deposit number, uh, this is not something we comment on, um, and not not something that is a figure of merit in any way. Um, we. You know, we do no promotion of Model 3. Um, we don't advertise, well, we don't advertise in general, but we don't, like, how often do you see me mentioning the Model 3? You know, like, I think people sometimes forget, like, that, that, that you know, all we did for the Model 3 was uh, half our webcast. Uh, there was no advertising, no guerrilla marketing campaign, um, you know, like sent out a few tweets like, hey, there's going to be a webcast. And like a lot of people decided they wanted to place a deposit for the car, which is cool. Um, but, but, you know, we didn't want to get people too to distracted from today's product um, in favor of tomorrow's product. Uh, and, and then when somebody went, comes into our store to buy a Model 3, we say, well, you know, why don't you buy a Model S or an X instead? So we anti-sell the 3. Still, a lot of people. Still, a lot of people. What are the three? But whatever. <laughs> yeah. So it's, um, plus, plus the three. You know, like we've basically sold out the first year of production. So, for twelve months of production or thereabouts. So, what's the point of trying to trying to sell the thirteenth month of production? No, very little to be had. Gain to be had there in doing so. So I expect that Tesla will give an, another actual number when it's advantageous for them to do so, which I would suspect either will be a big milestone, for instance, a million reservations. I mean, why wouldn't you trumpet that if that if they get to that point? Or when they just want to start selling the Model 3. Uh, we talked about that earlier this year with the Model X, where for a while they were kind of steering people away from it. The, the waiting list was very long. The backlog was very long. Uh, they were ironing out bugs, and then they got to a point where they were like, okay, they were clearly ready to, to start selling the, the, the X. And uh, it seems to be with the three that they're, you know, <laughs> Elon's phrasing there, anti-selling the Model 3. Uh, but a bunch of people, he's, <laughs> you, hear, you heard him sort of chuckle there. A bunch of people reserving the three anyway, because, you know, hey, that's what that's what most of us, uh, well, a lot of us, that's what a lot of us can afford will be the Model 3 as opposed to the, the S or the X. All right, that's everything from the very, very busy Q3 conference call. Uh, moving on to other Tesla news this week, you may have heard about the latest 
Consumer Reports annual recommendations. They were uh, put out for the, the current version of them, was released this week. Model S, you may remember, uh, had been given, had been sort of stripped of its recommended rating because of uh, citing reliability concerns last year. Well, the Model S was upgraded to average reliability and was then added back onto their recommended list. Model X, however, was given a poor reliability score and uh, thus doesn't go on their their recommended list for for its SUV category. Now, uh, as some of you may know or realize, these consumer reports surveys and and recommendations tend to lag behind because uh, they survey people over the year and then issue their reports. So not a lot of new Model Xs are bound to be in that report more than likely, but uh, you know, because because that's it's only somewhat pretty recently in the grand scheme of things that Tesla's kind of gotten their act together on the X. But but I'll tell you, you know what? It's I hey, I, it's fair to say that about the Model X right now. You know, um, I'm on the Model X forums on the Tesla Motors Club boards almost every day. I just browse through them. I, mean, I, I browse through them all, but. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm kind of checking in there every day and, and, you know, I I know that certainly people tend to post more often with complaints more so than they do with reports of everything being peachy keen, but you know, it's, you got to acknowledge that the X has had a notable number of teething problems, you know, uh, the doors, uh, both the front and the the Falcon wing are sort of largely among them, the, the ghosting issue with the windshields. Now, uh, Early indications uh, on those very same forums from more recent owners uh, are that the the builds from the last few months are much more solid. In fact, Tesla indicated the very that very same thing, noting in the shareholder letter that Model X reliability is up 92% compared to when they were first coming off the production line about a year or so ago. So that is excellent progress. And, and uh, Elon and Jason Wheeler, the CFO, noting that that was only going to continue to to improve they would continue to build off that now elon said before it came out that the model x was the most complicated car in the world to build and you know unfortunately tesla's feeling the effects of that right now but when they get that car up to snuff which seems to be happening now it is going to absolutely get its due as an incredible suv i mean i've said this before but I think there will be a domino effect with the Model X, whereby one person in the neighborhood gets one, feels good about it. Uh, neighbors come by, they see it, they ask about it, and then before you know it, more and more folks in the neighborhood will get one. I mean, I I've actually seen that happen here in the Bay Area. I have a uh, my brother-in-law lives in one of the more affluent towns on the peninsula, and his neighborhood has quickly become full of Teslas, you know, most, mostly Model Xs, uh, though his neighbor, his one of his neighbors has an early S and an early X, a two-Tesla two household, which, yes, yes, I'm extremely jealous of. Um, but there you go. So that was the sort of good and bad with Consumer Reports. And let me move on now to the last significant item of the week. And again, just, just one after the other here. The Solar City event which was which uh, I actually was kindly invited to 
by Tesla. I was on their media list for it, but as it was down in Los Angeles and I'm uh, got a lot of, it's the busy time of year for work, I, I couldn't make it down for that. But I did watch and record the audio from the presentation, which was actually a relatively short presentation. And so I wanted to play a few clips from that and then kind of give you my, my reaction to it. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but if you haven't, you might get a little bit of a sense of it from the uh, one, two, three, six clips I'm going to play for you here. First of all, here's Elon on the idea behind the solar roof product, which I, should, I guess I should start there. So they did indeed announce a solar roof product, whereas there are roof tiles uh, that, that all have uh, solar cells in them that will all work together, obviously, to, to provide solar power to your home. So here's Elon on the idea behind the solar roof product. Just like with electric cars, where uh, electric cars originally, were, they, they didn't look good, they had low range, they didn't have good performance, um, they were like a golf cart, and so people had a real, real hard time buying electric cars. And uh, I think, you know, something similar needs to happen to, to solar. We really need to make solar panels as appealing uh, as, as electric cars have become. Here's Elon uh, discussing the three-part solution that he sees to the uh, you know the rising CO2 uh, and emissions problem on our planet. That was actually what he opened what he opened with here. This is from later in the presentation. He thinks it is a three-part solution, which is of course obviously what Tesla is up to. There are really three parts to the solution. Um, so we go to what what is the future that that we want? Um, it consists of a, a really appealing solar roof. Um, then combine that with, with storage and with electric cars. So it's, a three, it's an obvious three-part solution. And here's Elon introducing the new solar roof options, which are, uh, I don't, they, you won't hear it in this clip, but they're in several different styles. A Tuscan roof, a sort of shiny roof, a, uh, I don't remember the name of it, but sort of a, a sort of stonish-looking European type roof where every panel is a different color and it's sort of a yeah a, a night beautiful sort of european type look so here is elon introducing those solar roof options so let's look at, take a look at some of these roofs what, as i mentioned like what we're really looking for here is how do we have a, a solar roof that is better than a normal roof um, that uh, looks better uh, lasts longer has better insulation insulating effect and where the cost of roof plus Electricity is, is less than that of a normal roof. Now, this is um, this is sort of the integrated future. You've got a electric car, a power wall, and solar and a solar roof. And the, the key is that it's, it needs to be beautiful, affordable, and, in, and seamlessly integrated. Um, and then, if, if if all those things are are true, why would you go any other direction? Here's Elon introducing and giving the specs for Powerwall 2 and Powerpack 2. So, so we'd like to introduce the Powerwall 2. The, this is a, a big step above the Powerwall 1. Um, it has twice as much energy, um, uh, more than twice as much power. So it's a 14, uh, 14 kilowatt hour energy storage, 7 kilowatt uh, power output. Um, and just to put that in, t in basic terms, uh, you can take a four-bedroom house and you can have, uh, you, can, you can power the, your, your fridge, the sockets, and lights uh, for a day. And if you have solar 
on your on your on your house, you can power it indefinitely. So that's just with one. Um, and and then we're, for, on the utility side, we've got the Power Pack Two, which similarly doubles the the uh, the energy. So it's a 210 kilowatt hour uh, capability, 50 kilowatt uh, uh, power output, and this this can scale to unlimited size. So it's. Uh, uh, in fact, we've, we've recently announced the, the, the biggest uh, utility uh, battery installation uh, in the world, which is going to be with uh, Southern California Edison. Let's go to the next slide. And here's Elon saying that these, uh, these roof tiles are tougher than a regular roof tile, and they showed a little video that didn't have audio of them dropping huge weights on different kinds of roof tiles. So uh, here's Elon talking about that just a little bit. One of the other advantages of, of glass is that we can actually make it a lot, a lot tougher uh, and last a lot longer than a conventional roof. Uh, so we just as a demonstration video, show you what happens if you drop a, drop a big weight on a conventional roof tile and one of our glass tiles. And finally, here's Elon wrapping up the, present, the relatively short presentation, uh, saying that uh, this is hopefully that the future that people want because this is the future he wants. Uh, so that's, uh, that, that's, that's where we're headed, um, and I hope you agree that's the future we want. So as for my reaction to it, I was a little surprised when it just ended. When it did, it was, again, fairly short, uh, definitely short, short, on time, short on duration, and fairly short on details, too. I, uh, if I'm being honest, I love the idea of what Elon showed off, but in my opinion, this was not a great event. Uh, the roof tiles were, as Elon promised, they were all beautiful. I would be over the moon to have uh, any of those other than the, the Tuscan, which wouldn't match my home. Uh, I would be delighted to have any of those as the roof of my home and switch to solar. Uh, I, I pay PG&E here in California, and it is not cheap for uh, to run for with PG&E, so I would love to have it. Don't get me wrong. But uh, the fact that all Elon would say about the price was a couple of times he mentioned that it would cost around the same as a new roof plus electricity. So what does he mean by that? Electricity for what? A year? Uh, uh, the cost of electricity for the lifetime of a normal roof? Uh, and, and exactly how much will it cost? You know, whether it's per square foot or what have you, and how much do I need to power my home? I mean, I, I personally, I, I live in San Francisco. I have a very vertical home, uh, for lack of a better term, that, that just doesn't have a lot of roof real estate. There are just physically are not a lot of shingles on my roof. It's just sort of the way my home is oriented. And when will it be available? There was absolutely nothing about that. So a lot of questions, not a lot of answers. I, you know, I, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here, but you know, at the same time, again, I'm a Tesla fan, Tesla fan boy. I'll put it, you know, I, you guys know that. I, I admit it, but uh, you know, got to be realistic about this. And I, I do think we were talking about Wall Street earlier in the the podcast this week. I expect that Wall Street is not going to be thrilled about that presentation when the when the uh, the market opens on Monday. I mean, I'd love to be wrong. 
But uh, yeah, I just I think that was it was a little light on substance. It was heavy on style and light on substance. So I'd love to learn some more details because I mean, again, I would very personally be interested. And my wife, we've talked a little bit about it when the sort of rumors of this first came around. Uh, we're both kind of we're both on board with the idea, but that was all we got at this presentation was the idea. We didn't get a lot of of real world concrete details. So hopefully those are going to come in the not too distant future and uh, and we'll just be a lot more clear on it. All right. <clears throat> Pardon me. As, uh, as my voice starts to run out of, of fuel here, I a uh, <laughs> perfect time for a little break. We'll take a quick little musical break and come back with the Ride the Lightning Hotline. So many great phone calls. I had to pare it down to 10 outstanding phone calls coming up for you here right after this. All right, it is time for the Ride the Lightning Hotline again. Skipped it last week, which created a backlog, which was only amplified by the incredible reaction that you guys kindly showed for the uh, Hardware 2 announcement. So uh, I've, again, pared this down. This is 10 great Ride the Lightning phone calls. There are going to be plenty more than that in the next in the November edition of the Patreon-exclusive episode, which is just all hotline calls. So that 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 exclusive uh, Patreon exclusive episode is for $10 and up pledgers if you're interested in that. Uh, and again, I'm just fair warning now, if you want to, there's probably going to be a decent bit more show to go uh, because there are 10, 10 excellent calls. I usually play half that in a given week. So uh, if you need to pause or just bail out for this week now, I totally understand. But let's go ahead and get right to it. Uh, by reminding you that if you have a question, comment, or discussion topic, I'm happy to take, I love all the great calls from you guys, give me a ring uh, on the Ride the Lightning hotline anytime, toll-free. The number is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let's start with a caller out of Sterling, West Virginia, giving information. Uh, this is actually talking about Tesla and Solar City this week and about uh, Wall Street. So he actually has a clarification on how to vote on the upcoming uh, Tesla Solar City merger vote. So I just wanted to present this purely informationally. Take it away. Hello, Ryan. This is America from Sterling, Northern Virginia. Um, I just wanted to make a comment on the thing about the stock uh, owners uh, voting for the merger between Tesla and Solar City. I just got my email uh, this weekend. Um, and basically, it's really simple. Whatever broker you have, Rather, whether it's uh, Ameritrade, uh, E-Trade, Robinhood, or what have you, uh, you will get an email from a service called ProxyVote.com. That's actually the you know the service that most of the companies use to uh, you know handle their you know shareholder voting. Um, and basically, it's really simple. You just click on that link. Uh, it'll take you to a page where it will show you two questions. One of them is uh, basically asking if you wanna you know allow the merger for Tesla and uh, 
solar city. And the other one is a very, you know, kind of like related question. Uh, it's really simple. You just click on yes or no. Uh, well, actually, it's for or against. And uh, they also give you like a little hint that, uh, you know, Tesla is like uh, the suggested vote is for, uh, you know, for the merger. So it's really simple. Then you can get like, you know, an, an email confirmation of, uh, of your vote. Of your voting, and um, it's uh, it's really cool, really simple. Uh, it, it, it actually it's good, you know, to kind of like have a little voice in there on the merger for uh, Tesla and Solar City, and of course I voted for uh, for the merger. So just to make that comment, uh, thanks for the podcast, and please keep up with the good work. Thank you. Well, there you go. Thank you so much for that. That is good information. Next up is Tim from Indiana, who wanted to comment on uh, the Germany uh, passing the the EV, basically banning ICEs. And uh, he has a correction for me, which I greatly appreciate, on my my EPA comment from last week about the increasing mile per gallon rates that that the EPA has been doing here. So, uh, Tim, take it away. Hey, Ryan. I was just listening to your uh, most recent episode. Uh, This is Tim from Indiana again. Uh, And uh, you were covering the Germany banning uh, gas and diesel cars uh, by, I believe, 2030. Um, You mentioned that the U.S. had done some things to uh, raise miles per gallon averages. And uh, I think you uh, misspoke slightly in that uh, the 54 and a half miles per gallon that was set by the United States government is a fleet average. And really, that is what has driven things like the Chevy Volt and the Chevy Bolt is they bring their fleet average up by putting out a few uh, zero emission vehicles. But the vast majority of their vehicles are still sold in the small truck crossover and midsize car segments, which a couple of those in particular trucks, uh, their average is somewhere in the 20s or or low 30s. So um, I think that's been a flaw in the way those laws have been passed, and it's probably partially due to the oil money involved in U.S. politics. But, um, you know, if you can skate on your fleet average for fuel efficiency by just pushing out a few zero-emission vehicles that you sell in low volume, uh, that's not a good law or a good system that that is going to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish with uh, emissions. So I uh, just wanted to clarify on that. And, and, you know, I didn't do any research, so I could be wrong. But, uh, I, you know, we're definitely not on pace for all cars to be at a minimum of 54 miles per gallon uh, by 2025. So uh, I'm pretty sure that's the case. But uh, thanks for your time. Bye. You are totally right, Tim. Uh, my larger point about that still stands, but I do apologize for speaking a bit incorrectly there. And it turns out, by the way, I, I did a little more uh, clicking around on this. It turns out that the fleets aren't going to make it. And the government eased off a little bit on that, uh, on that 54 and a half mile per gallon uh, fleet-wide average demand. This is via autoblog.com. This is a recent post. During a conference call uh, with reporters about the, about the report, government officials said the 2025 mandate isn't actually a mandate, but an estimate of where the auto industry could be in nine years from now. So uh, there is a little bit more information on that. Thank you so much, Tim, for setting me straight there. And let me go to Mario in Phoenix, who has a reaction to hardware too. So many of you called in with reactions to the self-driving hardware. So Mario, take it away. 
Hey, Ryan. Good afternoon. This is Mario coming to you from Phoenix. Calling to obviously react to the big Tesla news this week. Autopilot 2.0. New hardware suite. It's going to be making level 5 autonomy a full reality. This thing is absolutely astonishing. I mean, it blew my mind when I saw the video of the Model X driving the guy from his house to work and parking itself. And, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's science fiction come true. You're, you know, it's, uh, it's basically having your own chauffeur. You know, however, it does come at a cost. A lot of people were criticizing it, saying, oh, it's a $8,000 upgrade. And, uh, you know, you get what you pay for, though. Yeah, I believe. And I don't think they have any right to complain because it's an amazing technology. And it's only going to get better. My big question, though, is... How do you think this is going to affect car ownership in the future? Within five years, when this is all over the place, you know, why would people want to own a car if they could just summon one, someone, summon someone else's to come pick them up and give them a ride? Anyway, have a great weekend. So, Mario, thank you for the call. I think this is going to affect cars in multiple ways. First, speaking from my own life, I've I've mentioned this before, but uh, I think my wife and I are simply not going to replace her Mini Cooper once it reaches the end of its life. We'll just not get rid of it. Uh, My wife works from home, and since I am fortunate to have a relatively short commute, currently it would, you know, if, if all that stays the same, it would make all the sense in the world for my wife to be able to just summon my car during the day while I'm at work and have it take care of any errands she needs it for. Now, secondly, I do agree that, uh, that this, this next step with uh, Level 5 might diminish overall car ownership. But I think it's not going to be before a bunch of people ditch their ICE cars for Level 5-enabled Teslas. So that's going to get ICEs off the road uh, in a couple different ways, which of course, as I've said, said it even say it almost every week, and including on this show, that's Elon's ultimate goal: accelerating the advent of sustainable transportation. <laughs> if if households average fewer cars, but those cars are Teslas and therefore electric cars, Elon wins, and the planet wins. And don't forget that elderly or disabled people will be able to be mobile again where maybe they couldn't be before uh, if they weren't able or allowed to drive. So the societal effects here are potentially enormous and basically all for the better. Let's go now to Eric from Australia who has an interesting point about the pricing structure of Hardware 2. Eric, you're on the air. Hi, Ryan. It's Eric Levin from Australia again. Just a quick comment on the Tesla release. Uh, absolutely awesome news. Um, I could talk about it all day, but very briefly, I really love the pricing, the way they've done it. That means that even if you're on a tight budget, you can get the full autopilot hardware for the base price. And then maybe when you pay the car off, you can upgrade it to full autopilot, even though it costs a bit more, at least the hardware is there. This is just awesome industry-leading, world-leading future. Is here now news. Uh, really loved it. Thanks. Bye. Eric, I had not even thought about it that way. 
I love that. You are a hundred percent correct on that. So it's it's it, that's such a good thing. Even if you can only afford the base model Model Three, you can still get full self-driving capability later without having to buy a whole new car, which is what would happen with literally every single other automotive manufacturer. So thank you so much for that call, Eric. Let's go now to, I have to confess here, I couldn't quite tell if this gentleman's name is Edmund or Edwin. So uh, he's from Connecticut, and I apologize. One of those is right. (laughs) One of those is wrong. But he's got a charging question, uh, specifically with regard to the supercharger network. So uh, take it away. Hey, Ryan. This is uh, Evan from Connecticut. I've called in before. Um, I'm sure you'll talk about the autopilot uh, unveil this week, so I won't uh, ask about that. Besides that, I thought it was pretty cool that the car parked itself. That was pretty neat. makes me want the Model 3 even more. Uh, But my question was about charging uh, to a degree. I've heard you, I've listened to all your old podcasts and you've mentioned it briefly, um, but I was just wondered if you still know that if Elon is up to other car manufacturers using the supercharging network, because I'm just thinking as electric cars get more prevalent and companies start coming up with their own different plugs, are we going to have to carry around a bag of adapters uh, if we're not near a, a Tesla charging, say, for instance, we're near a, a Chevy charging and they use a different d- adapter than a Tesla, are we going to have to you know, use an adapter for that? Or are they going to standardize it uh, kind of like how ICEs have the same uh, male and female part in them so you can go to any gas station? All right. Uh, so let me know what you think. Really enjoy the podcast and uh, keep up the great work. See ya. Well, I'll say that Tesla owners have to carry around a bag of adapters now. Uh, Most people, a a popular place I've seen them kept is in the, there's a little cubby hole sort of in the back, uh, you know, there's there's that sort of suitcase sized area where there is no exhaust that's in the, it's like a, it's like a secret compartment in the trunk. Uh, and there's sort of a little spot to the sides of that where you can kind of stick the that carrying case that has all the adapters in it, or and or your your universal mobile connector. But uh, that certainly doesn't excuse what you're what you're talking about. And as you know from listening to the old episodes, Elon has said he's open to sharing the supercharger network. Personally, I think that the hubris of other car company executives are going to prevent them from allowing that kind of thing to happen, especially because it's Elon. I, th- I feel like Elon would be the last person that all of these automotive executives would want to to uh, sort of side with. I, I just don't see Mary Barra of GM agreeing to that because it's going to look like that they're admitting that Elon quote-unquote won. Uh, instead, though, I could see all of the other car companies agreeing on a standard without Tesla, and then Tesla, uh, Tesla owners would just need an adapter for whatever that other standard is, which is basically exactly how it works now with certain other plugs. So that's how I see it. I would love to be wrong. Uh, I guess I'm a little pessimistic on that one, but 
we shall see how it goes. Moving right along to our friend DJ from North Central Ohio. He thinks that level five is going to come sooner than people think. DJ, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan. DJ from lovely North Central Ohio here on the road in my not Tesla. Uh, can't wait till it is a Tesla. And oh boy, can I not wait till it is a Tesla now. Level five on all cars going forward. The dream is real. Um, but as it relates to when we get to do that, you kind of touched on when regulatory approval might happen. Look, I, as usual, Tesla is dragging everybody kicking and screaming into the future here. And I think because of that, this is going to come sooner than people think. Um, with the proposed demo in 2017 from L.A. to New York, uh, I think showing that, assuming that they get permission to do that in all the states they're going to have to travel through, uh, I think showing that sometime in 2018, we're going to have regulatory approval for self-driving vehicles. Uh, just my opinion on that. But and, and speaking of that, you know, everyone would do well, I think, because I think this is going to be a state-level regulatory issue. Um, contact your state uh, representatives. Contact your state senators. I already have in Ohio here. Let them know that you want self-driving cars to be a thing and that you, your state should push that forward and your state should be a part of the future. Um, lastly, you touched on uh, Hardware One discontinuing support. Um, I don't think Tesla is going to ever discontinue support for Hardware One. So if there's any problems with it or any any type of, you know, I don't think you'll see improvements is kind of what I'm getting at. I don't think Tesla is the kind of company that would just, you know, go Microsoft and say, you know what, you know, Windows XP, you're done. You know, hardware one, you're done. We're not ever touching you ever again. And if anything goes wrong, we're not going to fix it. I just don't see them being that kind of company. Uh, anyway, awesome. This is an unbelievable uh, event. Uh, I can't wait for my Model 3 now. As you mentioned, I'm also going to have a much more expensive Model 3, but it'll also be able to drive itself. Have a good one, Ryan. I sure hope you're right about 2018, DJ. Uh, without getting too political here, if the election goes as the polls currently show, the more Tesla-friendly party is going to be the one that's ultimately in power in 2018. Although, 2018 is when the midterm elections will be, and we know that that can sort of shift the balance of power, so that might not even necessarily be the case in 2018. But, um, yeah, I, by the way, I didn't mean last week that to, to infer that I thought Tesla would straight up discontinue support for Hardware One. I apologize if it came off that way. But I do think that Tesla is going to stop developing, actively developing for Hardware One. And I think it's probably going to be somewhere around the time when Hardware Two is, is, is uh, releasing, whether that's 2018 or later, because I just think Tesla is going to want to have all hands on deck for for uh, hardware two and level five autonomy because that's that's where the future is. Now we go to Steve from New York. He's got himself a P90D Ludicrous that he purchased at what was uh, as you'll explain as he'll explain something of a slightly inopportune time, but he has a good story about moving up to the P100D Ludicrous. I, I gave that. Uh, rant last week about how upset it made me and how sort of disappointed in Tesla I was about how they handled uh, the rollout, <clears throat> pardon me, of 
of the P100D so soon uh, with you know by releasing the hardware too so soon after and leaving a lot of uh, well leaving all seemingly all of those uh, those P100D early adopters out in the cold. So Steve, take it away. Hi, this is Steve from New York. I got a Tesla um, P90D with Ludacris right before the facelift last year. And I told Tesla it was a bummer. If I knew the facelift was coming, I would have waited, you know, a couple more weeks and gotten that. So this year I ordered the um, P100D right when the, the car was announced. And I got autopilot, all of the options. And what they told me was that there was a shortage in the perforated white leather. And I'm not sure if this was true or not, but they, they pushed the production of my car back um, far enough that I could actually have all of the new sensors and the fully autonomous options built into it. So I have a sneaking suspicion that the only P100Ds they shipped were vehicles where people did not elect for the autopilot option which I think was 3,500 um, at the time. But anyway, just wanted to, to give you a shout. Great podcast. Enjoy listening to it every week. And uh, I also was in touch with Tesla leading up to the product announcement, trying to figure out what it was because I didn't want to have the car built um, and not have that the option to include whatever mystery product was coming out. Um, so they they were pretty tight-lipped about it. They just told me that there was a shortage of the white perforated leather and that's what was pushing my production out but in reality it seems like they were um spying some time to make sure i was happy and had the the fully autonomous suite um in addition to the autopilot and by the way the 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 funds that i reserved for the autopilot were credited towards the advanced autopilot um all right keep up the good work thanks I'm very glad to hear this, Steve. Uh, and I've heard of this before, by the way. A friend of mine who has an, a Model S 85 had ordered his car a couple of months, you know, a good, or at least a decent little window before Hardware One began shipping in the cars. And he told me the story about how his sales advisor kept sort of nudging him to delay and hold off a little bit. And sure enough, he ended up getting hardware one. He got he just sort of bumped right into that time when when Tesla first started stealthily putting the autopilot hardware, the first generation of autopilot hardware, into the Model S's. And now my friend is super stoked to have autopilot, which he technically didn't even order. Uh, obviously, your example and mine are are two isolated examples, and different sales advisors and different delivery specialists might handle it differently. But uh, I'm, I'm definitely happy to hear that you were taken care of, even if they had to keep you in the dark for a little while. So uh, I hope that other P100D buyers were afforded the same care. Because again, as I said uh, last week and, and a moment ago, on the surface, it did not look remotely fair uh, to those early buyers or and just not excusable on Tesla's part at all. So I'm happy to hear that it went well for you, Steve. Now I move on to Shelby from Santa Clara, not too far from here, just a bit south, uh, who wonders about supercharger station congestion. And Shelby's got an excellent suggestion for this, which I love, so I wanted to play this call. Shelby, you're on the air. Hey there, it's Shelby from 
Santa Clara, and I just uh, have been thinking about the issue of congestion at the supercharger stations, uh, particularly with the Model 3 uh, arriving, and uh, that there's a surge uh, at times in, uh, you know, around Thanksgiving uh, at Harris Ranch and whatever. Uh, and my thought is that um, Tesla should put together uh, some of the big power pack uh, batteries that are used for the uh, utilities and charge them all up and put five of those on a semi-truck and take them to uh, certain places where there's uh, you know emergency demand, if you will. If they had like four or five of those trucks, I bet they could really solve a lot of the uh, a lot of the problems with uh, congestion that spikes at certain times. So that's my thought, and uh, love the show. Bye. This is a phenomenal idea, Shelby. And by the way, you know that Tesla saw what happened at Harris Ranch over the holidays last year. They had to have seen both the forum threads. And the Reddit threads, and by the way, they have their. Of course, they have their own internal monitoring software, so that and to, so they know exactly what's going on at every supercharger at any time. In fact, I have seen uh, that screen. They uh, in the the Tesla corporate headquarters in Palo Alto, not the factory, but the the corporate, the actual corporate office uh, over on the other side of the bay. There, there is a big sort of monitor display in the lobby that cycles through a bunch of the superchargers and shows you how much juice they're outputting, how much, you know, uh, how many cars are, I think it shows how many cars are, I know it's been a while since I've saw it, but anyway, you know, they have all of that information. So uh, I I think that uh, your idea is phenomenal. And I, I hope Tesla will leverage the Powerwall technology in, in the exact way you suggest, because that does seem like a great way to address the temporary issues that they can plan for, such as holiday travel. Two more phone calls for you. First up is Keith from San Diego, uh, who has a uh, very relevant question about what happens when you interfere with your car while it's self-driving. Uh, so Keith, I turn it over to you, sir. Hi, it's Keith from San Diego calling. Uh, one of the questions I had, and I was thinking about after listening to Elon's QA about self-driving was first off, I, I just would want to make sure that I'm have the correct assumption that when in self-driving mode and you're driving, uh, and it's driving you, if you do take over control of the self-driving mode, um, I'm assuming if you move the wheel or press the brake or gas, then it would, it would go out of self-driving mode. Um, that's an assumption, I would, I would say. And then my next question would be is, what happens if um, they find that people are trying to react to a situation by taking control over the self-driving mode, but actually doing not as good as if they would have not touched the wheel at all and actually let the car do it for them. So that was one thought of, you know, would they eventually maybe, you know, lock ability from somebody taking control because they see that people that do take control over actually make not as good a correction as a self-driving vehicle. Anyways, that was one thought. Uh, uh, 
I would put that out there and see what you think. Thanks. Bye. Interesting question here, Keith. I agree with you in that I'd assume, we know what assuming does, <laughs> that if you move the wheel or you press a pedal, that the car is going to turn control over to you. Uh, as for instinct leading you to take action in a panic situation, uh, at the end of the day, I don't see any way on earth that the car wouldn't let you take over. Because I would have to think that that gets into some really dicey, legal, and possibly even moral uh, conundrums. That just gets into some weird territory there. Now, I mean, it's going to take time for people to build up trust in that level four and level five self-driving Tesla. And the scenario you describe is definitely, definitely part of that process. Finally this week, Aaron in Connecticut wonders how self-driving is going to perform in inclement weather conditions. Let's go to Aaron. Hey, Ryan. It's Aaron in Connecticut. Uh, I've been listening since the Model 3 reveal. And we've had a little bit of a snow flurry today and some rain you might hear in the background. And it really got me thinking about the self-driving tech that's coming up in um, all Tesla models, but specifically the Model 3. We've got a reservation, but how well is it going to perform in rainy conditions? I can definitely see how the camera might get obscured by, like, water droplets. And there's even sometimes where a camera would get obscured by like snow clinging to the outside of the camera or to the camera lens. Um, does that mean that self-driving capability just goes out the window in inclement weather? Does it mean that there's uh, some tech that's going to be available to keep those cameras clean? Or is it going to fall back on the other types of sensors available in the car? It's just really complex, the kinds of things that we have to do as humans. I get that there's way more... Uh, coverage in an eight-camera system than there are in my two eyes, but my ability to drive in inclement weather isn't really hampered that much by this, um, you know, particulate matter. I've got windshield wipers. I've got a windshield. I've got um, um, spray that can wash off the windshield and get uh, salt deposits off of the windshield. Uh, so there's a lot of other like low-tech stuff that goes into making sure that uh, I'm able to drive my car. And how's that going to be implemented in a self-driving configuration? Really curious to hear your thoughts. Love what you're doing. Love the show. We'll call back again soon. This is a totally fair question, Aaron. Uh, Elon has said that the front cameras are in such a place, they're, uh, they're at the top of the windshield in a housing above the rearview mirror. Uh, if you, can, you can look at any Tesla now, and there's the one camera in there, and uh, the, the new ones are in that same spot. There are three. There are three cameras. Uh, so uh, Elon has said that, that, that those front cameras are in such a place where they should never really be directly obscured. I mean, you've, you'll have uh, a defroster. You'll have windshield wipers. Uh, but even the other cameras are relatively high up on the car, if you haven't seen the pictures. And I, I've got to figure they're, they're high enough up where you probably aren't going to have ice or snow or rain clung to them. So hopefully they'll all work pretty well. Uh, but remember, too, that the radar portion of it can see through the rain and fog. But you're still absolutely right. It's entirely possible that self-driving could be limited or even altogether unavailable if the weather is bad enough. But 
I'm sure Elon has thought and is actively thinking about this very this very problem because there are obviously plenty of places around the world where uh, inclement weather is going to be a problem on a on a regular basis. Oh my goodness, that was a lot of phone calls in the Ride the Lightning Hotline, but they're all so good. I, I so appreciate the participation from the audience. You guys, I just you add so much to the show. I, I sincerely thank you for that. And again, if you want to call in about, there's obviously a lot to react to this week. What you know, I expressed sort of my disappointment in the solar roof event, not the solar product itself, but the event. Uh, what's what do you think about that? What did you think of the Q3 results? Uh, what do you think of the Consumer Reports thing? Anything you want to chime in on? Please do give me a ring. You just leave a voicemail. Uh, it's a toll-free number. You can call or Skype. You, know, you can also, people have asked me, you can, you can just email me, uh, you know, if you want to do a voice recorder thing right into your phone and just email me that. Uh, you can do that too if you don't want to be sort of on the, feel the pressure of, of being on the clock with the, uh, you know, uh, the Ride the Lightning hotline. But anyway, the, the number, so you can email that to teslapodcast at gmail.com. Most of you do go ahead and call into the hotline, which again is a toll-free call or Skype, one 888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And I'll be right back to wrap up a few things for you right after this. Oh my goodness. That was uh, an epic episode, at least to, to prepare and produce. I hope you, en- I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, a lot went into that one. Boy, that maybe other than episode 35, where you know I was down in LA at the Model 3 reveal and interviewing people I camped out in line with, this week might have been the most legwork and production and research and, and preparation that had to go in uh, to, this, to this podcast. So uh, if you appreciate that, recognize it, you, uh, you see fit to maybe uh, make a contribution on the Patreon, I would sincerely appreciate it. Just take a look at the Patreon page, which is at patreon.com slash Podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N is how you spell Patreon. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. Email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you're buying a Tesla, get yourself $1,000 off that car courtesy of the referral code from Michael from Milbray, who, uh, as I record this, I'm actually going to have lunch with him tomorrow. I'm looking forward to meeting him because he's just down the road. He, he offered to, to meet up for lunch and go, go take a quick ride in his Model X together. So looking forward to that. Uh, it'll have happened by the time you hear this. Hopefully it will have gone well. Uh, but you can get $1,000 off of your Tesla if you plan to buy an S or an X uh, anytime in this quarter, basically. You can get $1,000 off the, the website, to ty- the short link to type into your browser to activate that code is ts.la slash michael2204. That's Michael spelled the traditional way, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-2204. And that will uh, have the side benefit of getting me entries into the raffle that they'll hold for a ludicrous S or X at the end of the quarter. Uh, which Michael has uh, said, hey, if, the, if we win the car, it's yours, minus uh, the absurd amount of taxes. <laughs> but that would still be a great deal. I would love that. Uh, anyway, 
Uh, abstractocean.com for Tesla owners and enthusiasts. A lot of cool little Tesla accessories and uh, sort of apparel type things there. So take a look at that because the uh, proprietors there have seen fit to offer me a, well, offer you through me a 20% off coupon. So uh, take a look at the silicone key fob pockets they have there for the S and the X, the lanyards, Tesla lanyards they have there, the LED lighting kits for the cars. So it's abstractocean.com and enter RTL podcast at checkout to get 20% off of your order. Uh, I want to thank Gene and the wonderful folks at teslarati.com for uh, supporting the podcast, mentioning it just about each and every week. They do a great job over at Teslarati of staying on top of Tesla news day by day. Uh, subscribe to Dave T's phenomenal Tesla newsletter that comes at you free once a week, every Friday morning slash uh, maybe lunchtime, depending which time zone you're in. Sign up for that at teslaweekly.com. And uh, finally, I want to thank the Patreon producers. These are the very kind souls who uh, support the podcast at the $20 level or higher each and every month. And those folks are Jeff Bartram, Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassioppo, ZL Klein, David Brander, Nick Hoffman, Ralph Weiss, Jonathan Wales, John Waltower, and Scott Gillis. I love all of you so much. Thank you so much for your support. And that'll wrap it up. Uh, hopefully this was a good episode because, <laughs> it, boy, it ended up taking up. Uh, it, it was fun, though. It was fun to, to cover all this Tesla news this week, to, uh, to listen to. It got a lot of good Elon clips in there this week. I always, I always I, again, I love it because when I get those Elon clips in there, it, it makes me, it, it allows me to pretend that this is like a real radio show. <laughs> so even though it's literally a one-man operation, I don't have a I don't have a producer who's like pulling these clips for me and editing the show. It is 100% just me, but I love doing it. I love being a part of the Tesla community. I love contributing to the Tesla community in this way since I cannot yet be an actual uh member, you know, who owns a car. I I'm not in that Part of it yet, as I as I always say, I'm still I'm still the wide-eyed kid with his hands and face pressed up against the glass on the outside looking in. I'm not not quite in there yet, but hopefully someday I'm gonna get there. Alright. For a now awake Maggie the Boxer, my name is Ryan McCaffrey. This was Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors Unofficial Podcast, episode 65. Happy electric motoring, and I'll see you all back here for what has to be a bit of a quieter week. I'll see you all next week.